0: Let's stand and open our Bibles to Luke chapter 17. Luke 17, verse 1. Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible that offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom they come. We know. Here's the promises we have as children of God. Offenses will come. That's a certainty. But don't be part of them. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. There's no mention there of putting it on the Internet, Facebooking that offense. The biblical way is go to him in a very... Sane, sound mind, and rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Verse five, and the apostle said unto the Lord, increase our faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning. And once again, we can open up this book. Father, we love your word. We are so thankful that you have given it to us in our language, preserved, applicable for 2013. Father, we want to be guided by your word, helped, encouraged, instructed. And Father, we pray today, just as the disciples said back then, increase our faith, Lord. We want to have a stronger faith this year than we've ever had before. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The disciples here are listening to Christ preach. And when he pauses for a moment, they say, Lord, increase our faith. Now, As we go into this year, we look at the things that God would have us to do as a church. I hope that we accomplish more than we've ever accomplished. I hope that we win more souls than we've ever won before. Despite the financial circumstances... I hope that we give more to missions than we've ever given in the history of the church. I hope we reach out, knock on more doors, witness to more people, see the school grow and every other ministry of this church grow. And I hate this pessimistic attitude that says, well, you know, it's just the times, it's the day and age that we live in. This is Laodicea and People are hard-hearted, and I don't want to hear any of those excuses. Uh, I believe we still have an almighty God that's on the throne wanting to do the impossible through His children. Amen? Even in 2013. And because of that, I want us as a church to pray the same way these disciples prayed and say, Lord, increase our faith. Now... Faith is one of those subjects that most of us, although we've been saved for a long time, still don't totally understand. As I sat down and looked at this subject over the past few days, I thought uh, there's so much that we need to learn about faith. And the Bible four times says this, The just shall live by faith. Habakkuk 2.4, Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11, and Hebrews 10.38 all say the same thing, that we as God's children are supposed to live by faith now I think all of us would have to say I'm in a position where my faith is not totally developed it's not as consistent as it should be and I want God to increase my faith how many of you are in agreement with that now I want you to think about the disciples for a minute and Peter is my favorite disciple we're going to look at his life for just a few minutes. But I want you to think at this point in Christ's ministry and what the disciples have lived and seen and heard and experienced. Let's go back to Luke chapter 5 where Christ called Peter to follow him. And let's see, let's examine for just a few minutes Peter's faith. Luke chapter 5 verse 1, It came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, Speaking of Jesus, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered one of the ships, which was Simon Peter's, and he prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. He sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, I want you to think about the circumstances here for a minute. Peter had just been fishing. He had finished. He had washed his nets. They had caught nothing up to this point. He was getting ready to go home. He was tired, exhausted, and probably a little bit frustrated. When Christ finishes preaching, look what he says to Peter, verse 4. Now, when he had left speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drop. And Simon answering said to him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Now, imagine this, if he had just finished fishing, maybe 8, 10, or 12 hours, and caught nothing. Now, if you were fishing with a single pole and a single line, uh, I can understand having caught nothing. But when you have boats out on the water with nets, and you are crisscrossing this lake, this body of water, and you've caught absolutely nothing, that is the pinnacle of frustration. And he's already gone through the labor of washing those nets, and Christ says, Hey, let's go back to work. And Peter was thinking about going back to sleep. And he said, Master, we've already tried that. It's just not that the barometric pressure is not right. The temperature is not right. And it's just not a good time to go fishing. It's daytime. And everyone knows midday with the sun, you just don't drop the nets and go fishing. But look at Peter's response in the next phrase. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Now, in my opinion, this is pretty good faith. Did you know that there are many Christians who've never even reached this point? Because here was a command that Peter could not understand. He was the professional fisherman. He was not speaking to one that was a professional fisherman. He knew this lake, he knew the waters, he knew what he was doing, and in frustration he was thinking, I would like to go get some rest, right now is not a good time to fish. But when Christ spoke, he had enough faith to say, nevertheless, this isn't my will, this is not something I would do, I'm not even in agreement with this, I can't understand why you're sending me back out. Nevertheless, at thy word, Now, there's a key word in this verse, and these two phrases are connected because he had to say, master, nevertheless, at thy word. Because if you don't consider someone your master, you're not going to say, nevertheless, at thy word, I will launch out and let back down those nets. Do you know there are a lot of Christians still living in the shallows, never launched out into the deep, and never been consistent in the most basic parts of the Christian life. Never tithed consistently. Never given missions consistently. Never been a consistent witness. You know why? They're not living a life of faith. Did you know what faith is? Faith is simply saying, God is able. God is omnipotent. Now, the object of our faith is who? God. Let me just pause here. Faith is not something that we would consider a feeling, a positive feeling. You know, often I hear people talk, and I think people have more faith in their faith than they do in their God. That's called a positive attitude. You know, I'm going to get that job. You know, I'm going to do that. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to win the lottery. My team's going to win the football game. That's called positive thinking. That's not called faith. Because if the object of your faith is a quarterback or a running back, you have serious problems. Now, the object of my faith is something and someone totally different because they're extraordinary. That is God, almighty God. So my faith is not misplaced. You're better off with a little bit of faith, a shaky faith, in the right person than great faith in the wrong object amen now we are putting our faith in God and you see that in the scripture when you see the words in John and Romans believe whosoever believeth what are the words that follow in him on him speaking of who God that is faith you are putting your trust in In an almighty God. Now, here's faith. Faith says, I know my limitations. I know what I can and cannot do. I can only do the ordinary. I cannot accomplish the impossible. I cannot do the extraordinary. But I know someone who can. Who brought in, in the next verse, this great catch of fish. You say, it was Peter. No, it wasn't Peter. Look at the verse. This was obviously not Peter. Peter. Peter had gone out and caught absolutely nothing. But in the next verse, we see the result of his action, his stepping out by faith, verse 6. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes. And what happened? The net break. Now, what happens when your net breaks? How many fish do you actually catch? It doesn't matter how many fish were in the net the moment that that net breaks. It doesn't matter if that's a, 10-inch hole or an absolute rupture of the net, those fish are going to escape. But look what happens. Verse 7, they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. Why in the world would they need help if they had a broken net? So not only did they go out at a bad time to fish when they hadn't caught anything, they go out, they catch so many fish that the weight breaks the net, but no fish escape. And then when they pull the nets into the boat and into their friend's boat, the fish stay put. I haven't you seen that before? Peter had never seen that before, and he was a fisherman. Now, that was something supernatural that God did through Peter. Now, why did that happen? Because when Peter heard the command, launch out, Let down your nets. Peter said, nevertheless, I don't understand. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will obey. Now, let me ask you this. Examine your faith for just a moment. How many say, well, I think I could compare my faith to Peter's and say, you know what? When God speaks to me through his word, I don't need to understand. I don't need any further explanation. I, by faith, simply say, God, if that's it, if you've written it, I believe it, and that's what I'm going to do. And I step out, and I do it by faith, and God blesses that. How many of you can say that your faith is on the level of Peter's when he initially followed the Lord Jesus Christ? I would have to say Peter may have been a step ahead of the average Christian. Because from the very start, he said... Nevertheless, at thy word, I will obey. Now, do you understand what I'm saying this morning? So Peter, this this is quite a period of months, possibly years later, when he's crying out to the Lord, Lord, increase my faith. Well, when I judge from the very beginning, Peter actually had decent faith. Matter of fact, there's something even greater than this. Look what it says in verse 10. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. Jesus said to Simon, fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, look what it says, they forsook all and followed him. I don't know if there's anyone in this auditorium that can say that. You know, when I came to Christ and I got saved and baptized and I decided to do right, I just forsook all and followed Him. That's faith. You don't just walk away from your job. You just don't walk away uh, from everything that you've accumulated over the first 35 or 40 years of your life. You, you just don't give up your friends and your family and your hometown and leave all that behind without having some measure of faith that says this is a great God and I'm willing to follow him at all costs. Now, if we measured our faith against Peter's, we'd have to say our faith is probably a little bit weaker than Peter's, even at the initial phases of his following of Christ. Yes or no? So here's what I'm amazed By his prayer in Luke chapter 17, later in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, Peter and the disciples were saying, oh, Lord, increase our faith. Well, they actually already had a pretty strong faith. I mean, we could find other people in the Bible and pick apart their faith and see weaknesses and say, well, they certainly should have grown in the faith. But we're talking about these men, these disciples, and specifically Peter, his faith was actually pretty decent. Go with me to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14, verse 27. Let's see a different circumstance. This is after the feeding of the 5,000. Christ constrains his disciples to get in the ship. He sends them across the sea. Verse 23, when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to a mountain apart to pray. Verse 24, the disciples are in the ship. Now in the midst of the sea, they're tossed with the waves. The wind was contrary. That means it was blowing from all sides. And in the fourth watch of the night, this boat was full of water. It was about ready to sink. And look what happens. Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake to them, saying, Be of good cheer. Now, that's, that's a strange way to open up the conversation. <laughs> I mean, things are really bad. Be of good cheer. It's I. Right, be not afraid. And look at how Peter responds. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou bid me to come unto thee on the water. Now, let me ask you this. If you were in these circumstances, here's a storm, the boat is in bad shape, the winds are contrary, you're all fearing for your lives, it's the middle of the night and everything seems worse at night, they can't see land, they don't know if they're going to survive, suddenly the Lord comes walking out on the water, is it going to cross your mind to say, hey Lord, let me come walk with you. I'll be honest with you. I think the first thing I'd say is, Lord, can you fix this storm? Uh, Lord, would you come in this boat? But no, Peter says, Lord, bid me to come out on the water. And let me ask you something. I want you to think about the circumstance for a minute. Did you know that all of those disciples could have walked on the water? But only one did. Now think about this, we see the disciples, this is Peter praying, Lord, increase my faith. But when I study the life of Peter, I personally think, Peter, you already had some pretty strong faith. Because I don't know if I would have gotten my nets and launched out into the deep. I don't know if I would have forsaken all and followed Christ. I don't know if in that storm, in that circumstance, I would have said, God, hey, bid me, Christ bid me to come walk on the water. But that was the level of Peter's faith. Always looking to do something more for Jesus Christ to step out, to launch out. Let me just say this. God wants to do the impossible through Cap City Baptist Church. God wants to do the impossible through this congregation. God wants to do the impossible through you. Now, faith is not about you manipulating God to have your way or your will done. That's where the confusion comes in. This whole name it and claim it, this false philosophy that says, uh, I'm going to pray and tell God what I want done. No, that's not what faith is about. Faith is about you doing God's will... Because God wants to do something supernatural. And look what it says in 2 Chronicles 16. Keep your finger here because we're going to come back to this text. But here's what God is thinking. 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. Now, some of you that have taken your pastor's challenge to read through your Bibles and to memorize verses this year, this would be a great verse to put to memory. 2 Chronicles 16, 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Why is he looking throughout the whole earth? Look what it says. To show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. Did you know God wants to do something great and mighty? And he wants to do it through you. And faith is saying, God, I know you're all powerful and I know you want to do something great. I know you you want to do something that's impossible. I can't do that, but you can do that and you can do it through me. And I want to be that tool to see the impossible done. But we're too busy living normal lives, too satisfied, extremely satisfied. You know what people talk about? Their natural accomplishments as if they were supernatural. Supernatural. God's not interested in that. God is interested in doing something supernatural. You know how many stories there are about buildings that have been built and ministries that have grown and souls that have been saved. You know why? God is in the business of doing the supernatural and he just needs someone willing to say, God, I want to be that vessel. Pick me. Someone that says, God, I believe you can do the supernatural and God could have done Wanted to do at the supernatural through each one of these disciples. But there was one who asked and asked specifically. You know what I think too many times in life? We don't do or say anything specifically. Our prayers are not specific. When Peter saw Christ walking on the water, here's how specific he was. Lord, bid me to come walking on the water. With you. That's pretty specific. And Christ said, I can do that. It's not a problem. Walking on water is not an issue. Come on out. And he did. Humanly, that's not possible. But that's something God wanted to do supernaturally through Peter. Now, let me ask you this. Go back with me to Matthew chapter 14. I want you to see something. So if Peter's faith was strong enough to say, God, I'm going to obey you. Nevertheless, at thy word, I'll launch out into the deep. I will forsake all and follow you. Lord, bid me to walk on the water. How many of you would say with your preacher, I think Peter had some pretty amazing faith at this point in his life. How many would say that? Hold on for a minute. Christ doesn't share our opinion. Because look what he says in verse 26. When the disciples saw him walk in the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a Spirit. They cried out for fear, and straightway Jesus spake, said, Be of good cheer. And he says, Lord, bid me to come in the water. Verse 29, he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. The only person in the history of mankind, beside Jesus Christ, who did that. Verse 30, But... What happened? When he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. Beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, caught him and said to him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Now here's, why don't you, where I want you to go with me for just a few minutes through scripture on a journey, understanding a very important principle when it comes to faith. I think when we look at faith, we try to measure faith and and we think, okay, well, if I had greater faith, if I, we're not talking about a measurement of faith here. So when he said increase our faith, we look at it it as in measurements and say, well, I have a size six faith and I wish I had a size 13 faith. Right? Have you ever seen someone with a size 15, 16 shoe? And you said, man, you have a big foot. You know, it's, it's as if we look at Bible heroes or great preachers of the faith and it, as if they had a size 16 faith. Said, man. If I had more faith, faith is immeasurable. And when Christ is speaking of faith, we're not speaking of a size or of a measurement. We're talking about consistency despite the circumstance. That's what we're talking about. Because Peter's faith would appear to be great, uh, but that's when he's catching fish, and that's when, you know, when he forsook all, he had all those fish there on the shore, and the boats were full, and people were celebrating. So his faith was very confident in the power of God, in the miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ. But listen, when we look at the storm and the circumstances are bad and the winds are blowing and things aren't going the way that we'd hoped they would go, that's when our faith tends to be shaken a little bit. So when we talk about mature faith, when we talk about a consistent faith, we're not talking about a perfect faith. We're not talking about a measure of faith. We're talking about a faith that is consistent on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. Consistent this week and next week and this month and next month. Consistent in the trials of life and the problems of life, the storms of life, as well as the good moments. So, here's what we like to do. We like to measure our faith at our best moment in life. That's not the way God measures our faith. Christ didn't measure Peter's faith when he was walking on the water. He measured his faith during the height of the storm. And we looked at the wind that was boisterous and the waves and he began to sink. And Christ said, oh, he of little faith. Well, he was walking on the water. No, he got his eyes on the storm. And how many times have we looked at life, we've been confident, and God's almighty, and God's powerful, and he's not limited in what he can do, and it's amazing to think about how he's going to help me, and then we have a problem, and then we face a storm. And just after four short years of pastoring this group right here, I'd have to say, I've seen the majority sitting here with your faith shaken in the past four years. Now, that's not a bad thing. Let me explain why that's not a bad thing. Because when Peter said, Lord, increase my faith, did you know that Christ was answering his prayer by shaking his faith? Because here's what we think. Lord, how do I increase my faith? Okay, here's what we do. We always go back to the normal. Okay, faith is grown by faith. Getting to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Uh, Go with me to Luke, a different passage. I want to see another storm and another way the disciples reacted to that storm. Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, verse 23. As they sailed, he, speaking of Jesus, fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water. Look what the next phrase says. They were in what? Their lives were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose, rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said to them, what? Where is your faith? Let me ask you this remembering the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, the ministry of the disciples with the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you realize that over those three years, although they saw the miracles, they saw the feeding of the 5,000, they saw Lazarus raised from the dead, they saw the sick, healed and the leper uh, made clean. They saw all those things. But there were also times, listen, that Christ was putting them on boats, putting them in dangerous situations, and shaking their faith because he said, through shaking their faith, I'm going to develop in them an unshakable faith. Because here's what we do. When they saw this storm and they cried out and Christ calmed it, what did they say? They sat back in amazement and said, wow. Wow. He can even calm the winds and the waves and control the storms. And they're getting to know the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's what we say when we're talking about faith. How can I grow in faith? Well, establish a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Did you know if you establish a consistent walk with God, you'll establish a more consistent faith. If you're reading your Bible and you're praying once or twice a week, your faith is going to be inconsistent. And be careful because at some point you'll hit the storm and when you do, your faith will be shaken. You need to be reading your Bible and praying every day. You need to be walking with God every day because that consistent walk produces a consistent faith. And we know this. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So by coming to church and listening to the word and and hearing the word of God read and preached, that increases our faith. We know by reacting and living on the faith that we have, reacting in obedience to the word of God increases our faith, right? Those are all the things that we know. Those are all things. I don't have to tell you that. I'm not telling you anything new this morning. If you've been in church at any time at all or for any length of time at all, You know that your faith grows through a personal walk with God and through knowledge of the Word of God, through hearing the Word of God, and through watching God work. But here's what we forget. Really the key to having strong faith is being shaken because it's that shaking that God does in our lives that produces unshakable faith. That shaking either produces growth and strength and consistency or it cracks the foundation. Now I want you to think about this for a minute this morning. Think about the disciples at the crucifixion. How many remember in Luke chapter 22 where Christ tells Peter, he says, Peter, I'm praying for you. He says, Satan would love to sift you. Listen, I'm praying that your what? Faith fail not. Well, he walked in the water. He abandoned all. He followed Christ. He launched out into the deep, and he was continuing to pray, Lord, increase my faith. There was only one problem. God knew he had great moments of faith, but he was worried about the consistency of Peter's faith because he had seen Peter in the storm, and the storm had always seemed to shake Peter's faith. And here's what God said. I'm going to put you through the storm and put you in another storm and put you in another storm. And every time it was Christ putting them into the boat, creating the storm, shaking their faith. He said that shaking will produce an unshakable faith. And here's what we don't like. We don't like God saying, I'm going to have to shake you and shake you a little more and shake you a little bit more, but I'm growing and developing your faith so at some point you have an unshakable faith. And here's what we want. A perfect life with strong faith. Sorry, folks, that's not the combination. It doesn't work that way. Look at those in life that have unshakable faith. It's because they've been shaken, and they've been shaken, and they've been shaken. And here's what God was doing in the life of the disciples. They're crying out, oh, Lord, increase our faith. And they get out on the boat, and the winds and the waves come up. And he says, oh, you have a little faith. Well, why didn't you measure our faith back then? No, I want to measure your faith in the midst of the storm. Because your faith is not measurable by size, but your faith is measurable by consistency. And I want to see how your faith reacts during the storm. So Christ shakes you. Get your faith to grow a little bit. And it's amazing how the first few times he shakes, it's just a little shake, but boy, it shakes us up. Have you ever been there? You know, it's just that little... That's all he has to do. It's like a child. I remember years ago when we were in Argentina and the first time we went to the mall and we put a little quarter in the the horse and the car and Ashley got this terrified look on her face. You know, she's 18 months old, two years old. She's barely sitting up. She's, you know, and, and all this little vehicle's doing is about six inches of movement back and forth. And she's holding on for dear life like it's going 128 miles an hour down a racetrack. She's starting to cry and Chris is trying to calm her little heart and say, no, you'll be fine, you'll be fine. Did you know that the first time Christ shakes you, that's normally how he does it? He puts a little quarter in the machine. and the average Christian is holding on for dear life. Pastor, you don't understand. I don't know if I can make it through. I just don't know. I don't know. And then the car stops. The horse stops. Man, I almost got fucked off. I'm going to put in another quarter and see if you can hang on. Because one day you're going to a real rodeo. You're going to ride a real horse, and you're going to understand what it means to really be bucked off. We like the comfort of, well, if I just get to know God, and if I just get in this book, and if I just hear his word, my faith is going to grow, and at some point, my pastor's going to be able to pull out a spiritual tape measure and say, wow, size 18 faith. We don't like the fact that God says no to increase your faith. I'm going to shake you. Because by shaking you, I'm going to produce in you an unshakable faith. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you have looked at the book of Acts and thought about that Peter was going to have to lead that early church at Jerusalem? Peter was not just going to pastor a church of a couple hundred people, but of possibly 40, 50, or 60,000 people. Peter was going to preach. Listen, he was going to preach one message and three Thousand people were going to raise their hand walk the aisle trust Christ as their Savior and then it was up to Peter to make sure that those people were discipled personally you better have a strong faith and then the authorities were going to come and threaten and throw them in jail and take off the head of Pastor James and you better have strong faith when you face those circumstances. So here's what Christ said. Peter, I'm going to do you a favor. James and John, I'm going to do you a favor. Bartholomew, I'm going to do you a favor. Thomas, I'm going to do you a favor. They're saying, Lord, increase our faith, but they really didn't know what that entailed. They thought it was just a little bit of magic dust. They just thought it was the Lord saying, you know, you just work up a little bit of self-determination and commitment in you and say, I'm going to live by faith. I'm going to grow in the faith. I'm going to move forward by faith. That's not how your faith grows. It's not self-determination. It's not self-will. It's not a commitment that you make. It's not you standing up and saying, God, I'm going to do this and I'm going to have faith. God said, be careful when you pray, increase my faith, because that means... I'm gonna to have to shake you and then shake you a little harder and shake you a little bit more and shake you and shake you until you have an unshakable faith. And that's what we don't like. So, in the midst of all those miracles, in the midst of all those good things that they were experiencing, in the midst of those great messages, Christ said, I'm solving all your problems. So, I'm gonna to have to put you out on a boat. Make it really horrible as far as the storm's concerned. So bad that you're going to fear for your life and you're a fisherman, you're used to the sea. And then I'm going to go to sleep. And I'm going to keep one eye cracked open just to see how you respond. How many of you understand this was a test? He was laying in the boat, testing them. Saying, you said increase my faith. Now, let's see the circumstances here for a minute. When Peter prayed that prayer and said, Lord, increase my faith. Let me ask you this. Go back with me to Matthew chapter 17. This is the sister text. Just so you understand the context. Look at Matthew 18. This is the same teaching verse Three, verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven, whoso therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same as the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 6, but whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck. Verse 7, woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to him Woe to that man by whom the offense comes. How many understand this is the sister text to the text that we read earlier in Luke chapter 17? Now, before he makes these statements, look what Christ told the disciples back in verse 20 of chapter 17, Matthew 17, 20. Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, you couldn't cast out that demon. Now look what it says, for verily I say unto you, if ye have the faith as a grain of a mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Do you understand? So Christ is talking about offenses coming and not offending the children. And the disciples interrupt the teaching and say, Lord, increase our faith. Now, why the timing of this? Because earlier in the teaching, Christ had mentioned faith and they'd come back. they had tried to cast out the demon in this child. They couldn't cast him out. They come back frustrated. Lord, we couldn't do what you told us to do. We couldn't accomplish what you told us to accomplish. We couldn't cast out that demon. And the Lord said, it's because you lack faith. If you have faith... You can look at this mountain and say, be removed, and that mountain would be removed. So when the disciples heard that, they got excited about faith. And they said, boy, oh boy, our lives would change if we had faith. Lord, increase our faith. So why did they say that? They recognized their need. But more than that, they said with more faith, more things can happen Greater things can be accomplished, so Lord, increase our faith. But what was going through their minds, they thought this was one day, one service, one invitation, one moment. Just touch us in the head the same way you healed those sick. Just touch us in the same manner and fill us top to bottom with faith. And Christ said, okay, I'm going to answer that prayer. Let's get in the boat. And that's what we don't like. Lord, increase our faith. And he starts to shake. Why are you shaking me? Why are you allowing me to be shaken? Because through shaking, I produce an unshakable faith. Look at those with the strongest faith. It's those that have been shaken and reshaken. And they've watched God work. And they've watched God do His will. None of us like the shaking that takes place, but each time we're shaken, it creates more strength. It builds our faith, and we look at God, and we watch God come through time after time, doing His will, accomplishing His purpose. Although we don't understand it at the moment, we may become frustrated. Now, here's a question. Have you been shaken, or has your faith ...been shaken. Because here's what God wants. God wants your faith increased. God has greater things in mind. When we look at Luke 5... ...when Jesus Christ called Peter and said, follow me... ...and he left all and followed Christ... ...his faith was not mature enough... ...to face the challenges that he would face in the book of Acts... ...the early church, the church at Jerusalem... ...the pressure from the government... ...and challenges and everything else he would deal with. The murmurings in the church over the widows and the picking of new leaders and dealing with jail and being arrested. Peter could not have dealt with any of that had he not gone through those three years of shaking. And Christ said, your faith will not increase in a perfect world. Your faith is not increased by watching me multiply the fish and bread. And that's what we want God, you show me the miracles, my faith will be increased. That does not increase your faith because right after the miracles, what did he say? When he went to go do it again, they doubted and he said, it's the hardness of your hearts. That miracle didn't produce faith. And watching that bread multiplied didn't produce faith. It's being out on the ship and watching yourself get right there to the very edge of death. And then having Christ say, okay, I got it under control. And you realizing he really does have it all under control. Now be careful. Because as a church this year, we want to say, Lord, increase our faith. I believe this building is a measure of our faith. I believe this ministry is a measure of our faith. I believe what we have what we do is a measure of our faith. Guess what? We need our faith increased. So our prayer, our goal, our desire is this. God, increase our faith. But be careful. Because before you pray that, you better understand. That increasing of faith doesn't mean, well, that means I'm just going to read the Bible more. And you should read the Bible more. And we've set out plans. We've urged you to get in the book and to memorize it. But that's not just the only way your faith is going to be increased. And, wow, increase my faith, Lord. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be in church and I'm going to listen to additional preaching. And I'm going to listen to everything I can and put in my iPod and I'm going to put on my phone and my phone app the Bible and I'm going to listen and listen and listen and listen to Scripture. The more I listen, the greater my faith is going to grow. That's all good. That's all great. That's all part of it. But there's another part that we don't like. God said, I want to produce in you a strong, consistent faith. Not just a faith that is great during the good times. But I want a faith that is strong in the storm. And if you look at Christ speaking of the disciples faith, he doesn't measure their faith after resurrecting Lazarus from the dead. He doesn't measure their faith after the feeding of the 5,000. He doesn't measure their faith after the healing of the 10 lepers. When they're saying, that's amazing. That's stupendous. That's fantastic. Unbelievable. Look at the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. He measures their faith in the midst of the storm. In each case, he says, Oh ye, little faith. Why? That's when he measures our faith. And he said, Those storms are not accidental, those storms are pre-planned in that shaking. It's just a little bit at a time. But that shaking is taking place to develop in you an unshakable faith.